Welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And today we're going to be talking about the charge, just specifically the charge and discipline. Uh, there are several different charges, uh, attendance, conduct, accidents. But today I want to just talk about the charge itself and the importance of the charge. Uh, as an advocate, when we get a case file on discipline, uh, we'll look at that charge and we will scour over it to make sure that it's correct and make sure that things that are on the charge have been asked about in the investigative interview and make sure that the documentation that management has put in their contentions supports their charge. And uh, a lot of times it does not. We need to catch those things at the ground level. So when I get a charge, if a carry hands me a charge, whatever it is, I'm going to look at that thing, scour over it word for word, and make sure that it's 100% correct. I have an arbitration site from arbitrator Louise Wolitz. It's a case I did uh, several years ago, and, and this is the importance she puts on the charge and the fact that that charge needs to be 100% correct. And this is what she stated. Finally, the union places most of the emphasis in its challenge to this removal on the fact that included in the notice of removal is an element of Mr. John Doe's past record that had been removed in August of 2013, and that was improper to refer to, cite, or include. This is the 8-8-12, 14-day suspension for unsatisfactory work performance. Both supervisor so-and-so and postmaster so-and-so acknowledged when confronted with the settlement agreement that this suspension should not have been included. That again is an element in the notice of removal that is not true and correct. Along with the problems discussed above, it shows unacceptable carelessness and lack of attention to detail in writing a notice of removal that puts an end to a letter carrier's career. And listen to this. What is in that notice must be true and correct if the removal is to be for just cause. That's powerful language talking about the charge. Everything in that notice, everything in that charge must be correct. It must be true. And it's up to us to find things in that charge that are not. All throughout the JCAM in Article 16, it talks about the charge. On page 16.5, under section 16.3, talks about the letter of warning. And this is what it states. A letter of warning is a disciplinary notice in writing identified as an official disciplinary letter of warning, which shall include an explanation of a deficiency or misconduct to be corrected. So there it talks about the charge. It has to include an explanation of a deficiency or misconduct. In section 16.4, suspensions of 14 days or less talks about the charge. It says, in the case of discipline involving suspensions of 14 days or less, the employee against whom disciplinary action is sought to be initiated shall be served with a written notice of the charges against the employee and shall be further informed that he, she, will be suspended. On page 16.6, under section 16.5, suspensions of more than 14 days are discharged. It also talks about the charge. In the case of suspensions of more than 14 days or of discharge, any employee shall, unless otherwise provided herein, be entitled to an advance written notice of the charges against him, her, and shall remain either on the job 
or on the clock at the option of the employer for a period of 30 days. Now, the importance of the charge. National Arbitrator Mittenthal, under Section 16.7, which talks about emergency procedure or emergency placement, this is what he talks about the charge. He states this. It's on page 16.8 under 16.7. The fact that no advance written notice is required does not mean that management has no notice to obligation whatever. The employee, suspended pursuant to Section 7, has the right to grieve his suspension. He cannot effectively grieve unless he is formally made aware of the charge against him. The reason why management has invoked Section 7. He surely is entitled to such notice within a reasonable period of time following the date of his displacement. And here's what he states. To deny him such notice is to deny him his right under the grievance procedure to mount a credible challenge against management's actions. That's the importance of the charge. That is what we defend ourselves against. Management issues us a charge, and we will defend ourselves against that charge. Now, if it's untrue or it's not correct, we have to find that and point that out to an arbitrator. And we do that by getting with a carrier, by getting information, by getting documentation to show that management has erred or put something in the charge that's not true. I'll give you a for instance. A lot of times in, in uh, arbitration when we have attendance-related discipline, the advocate's going to look at each one of those dates, every single one, and we're going to go to the investigative interview first, and we're going to see, did management ask him about each individual date that's on that notice of, of charge, whatever it is, whatever the discipline is? Did management ask him about each individual date on that charge? A lot of times we find that they did not, that they've cited dates that they never asked him about. We don't catch those things. We've got to catch that. Then we go to the 3972, and this happens a lot. You go to the 3972, and on there it'll tell you how many hours of leave, sick leave, annual leave, whatever, has been charged. And then you go to the charge itself. Those, a lot of times, do not mesh. They don't match up, and we don't catch that. Those are things that we have to start doing a better job of. When we get that charge Go over that thing word for word, sentence by sentence, and find those things that are not true. Another problem management has with the charge. When management gives me an investigative interview, they're going to put their little packet together. They're going to write a little synopsis of why they think you should be issued whatever the discipline they're requesting. And then they're going to send that packet to labor. Labor has no idea what's going on. They're just going to get a packet, they're going to read it, and then they're going to write this charge. Local management rarely ever writes charges. Labor will write that for them. Well, labor, they're so aggressive, and they want you so bad, even though they don't know you, they're going to start putting all of these handbook and manual provisions in there that you've violated. Although management at the local level never asked you about them in your investigative interview. To me, under uh, one of the just cause provisions, talks about was a thorough investigation completed. That's my day in court to be to give an opportunity to defend myself against the charge. Yet you're going to put about six or seven provisions in that notice of uh, in that letter of charges that I was never asked about. And why would you do that? 
And why do we not contend anything about that? So now we have a, a letter of charges that has about six or seven provisions of handbooks and manuals that I violated that I was never given an opportunity to defend myself against. We have to start contending that. Because when they give me that charge and it goes up the line, we made it the informal, when it gets to the formal, they're going to do their own work, management. And they're going to include about three or four more provisions of handbooks and manuals that you violated that labor forgot to put in your notice of charges. So now here I've got a carrier that was never asked about any handbook provision or any policy or any manual provision that he violated. And when it finally gets to the formal step A, they've got about seven or eight or nine provisions that he's violated. So we have to start catching that and contending that, okay? Uh, I'm hoping that's making sense. Uh, the charge is so important. It's no different than the charge in court. So when we get that charge, whatever it is, and like I said, in different episodes coming up, we'll talk about different charges like attendance, conduct, accidents, and so forth. But this is just solely for the charge. When we get that charge, make sure that it is 100% correct. You get with your carrier and you go over that charge with him, and he can, a lot of times that carrier will tell you, well, this right here is not right. I was never asked about that. I've never heard of this. We've got to start doing a better job of that, okay, as a shop steward uh, at, at that local level because you've got the most time of anybody. You've got 14 days. Formal A's got seven. So you've got 14 days. Get that charge. Scour over that thing. Find all of those discrepancies in that thing. Um, when you get information, It'll help you as far as uh, getting that charge and finding, finding things that are, are erroneous on that. And, and that's a huge win for us. Like Arbitrator Wollett said, you don't have just cause if your charge isn't 100% correct. And whatever it is, is, is you, know, you sending me on my way to removal. That's how important that charge is. So I hope this helped. The charge, the importance of the charge, and getting that charge and making sure you scour over that thing and find any discrepancy you can whatsoever. If it's an accident, are the dates right? All of these things. Scour over that charge. Don't just dismiss it. I've got a 14-day. I'm going to file this grievance and send it up. Do your due diligence. Do your homework. Look at that charge, okay? So hopefully this helped. Uh, next episode, we'll probably get into a, a, something dealing with attendance charges. And uh, give you a little help there as far as we're going to, what we're going to look for, how we're going to combat that. But uh, this one is just the charge. Uh, do your due diligence. Help that carry out. You know, it's our brothers and sisters that we're working for. So uh, until next time, y'all have a great rest of the day and take care. <laughs>